On this week's edition of the Fox Rugby Podcast, we will speak to Red's second rower, Kane Douglas, as he gets ready for his 100th game of Super Rugby. And it's a second rower, a thon, this week on the podcast, because we will also be catching up with the Rebels' Jeff Parling. Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thanks for joining us for the Fox Rugby Podcast for another week. Terrific to have your company. I am Nick McArdle, Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au and Sam Worthington also joining us this week. Uh, Gents, great to have your company and certainly looking forward to catching up with Kane Douglas and, and Jeff Parling and having a bit of a yak. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I'm sure they've got a couple of stories, a couple of the old stages running around Super Rugby at the moment, so lots to talk about. Couple of locks. You've got a thing for locks at the moment. You, you choose the guests uh, most most weeks. Can just, you just talk us through that decision? Just trying to match my long hair. Got a thing for tall blokes. Mm. <laughs> Nick's not tall enough for you. <laughs> we might leave that there. Um, shout outs. What did you like about uh, the weekend just gone? Well, uh, not much about Australian rugby anyway. But um, look, I think the, the crowd at Brookie was was certainly a, a highlight. Uh, there was. Plenty of entertainment, I think probably from a New Zealand perspective, watching uh, the Canes running around and Ben Lamb is an excitement machine. What, do you, what about you, Sam? You're a Wellington fan? You're just trying to grease up to me. You're getting me excited over here thinking about that. But um, yeah, that game actually fell a bit flat for large stages. How windy was it over mm. there? Dear, dear, dear. It's, uh, someone's turned the wind on since I've left. Having said that, Bowden Barrett's kicking was, absol- given the conditions, yeah. absolutely Remarkable, and you got to love the old uh, teammate holding the your captain, no less. Brad Shields ran in and held, yep. held the ball for him, and he and he nailed it from the sidelines. So yeah, that was that was pretty clever. Well, speaking of Brad Shields, will be interesting later this week when Eddie Jones selects his England squad as to whether or not Shields makes it. It's obviously been a, a much talked about uh, situation whether or not New Zealand rugby will allow him to to, to go over early. Yeah, it is a, a niggly one that. I don't know if Brad Shields has ever actually been to England, but now he's about to to play for them. It's a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit leaves a bit of a funny taste when you see these situations. But yeah, he'll he'll add a lot to their team for well, it's, sure. It's much like their cricket side, really. They're <laughs> picking the Saffirs, but here on this instance, you have got Dylan Hartley, a, a Kiwi. You've got um, what now Shields. There's yeah. a couple others that we can I, probably rattle off. Yeah, and I know, I know that um, maybe double standards. Australia and New Zealand obviously littered with Polynesian players in particular, but. Yeah, at least they've uh, lived and, and played there for a while, whereas uh, yeah, Brad's been through the, the family tree and come up I with do it. understand that as a child growing up, he saw at least one episode of Coronation Street, <laughs> so I think, that, I think that may qualify him. Okay, yep. no, I'll, you, yep, you've done your homework there, yep. so I'm willing to accept that. I'm yep. sorry, Brad, I take it all back, mate. Yep. What yep. a show, what a show. What about um, Saturday night at Brookvale Oval? Um, how disappointing, how, how frustrating... Was it to to actually be there? I was in the studio here, but to actually be there and see the Tars have so much possession, so much territory late in that second half, and and not be able to nail it. Well, it was an interesting one because even even before the game started, there was a, a bit of in, uh, anticipation that this this could be the week that uh, Super Rugby breaks that drought, or Australian Rugby breaks that drought over over New Zealand sides. It was remarkable looking at the betting odds, and uh, we know that they don't always get it right, but they were paying. Out, what five bucks or something or other? Um, the, the, the Blues 
against, uh, no, against the Warriors. No, they weren't. I don't know what you were looking at. They yeah, were pay- it was ridiculous. It they was, were paying about two dollars thirty or something, Christy. It was. It was. Well, <laughs> anyway, we were looking at the thirteen plus margin, and that was eight bucks. Yeah, okay. And and we just thought that's remarkable. This is a side that's beaten the Waratahs. On numerous times from new, uh, over the past couple of years, and they were eight or nine straight against New Zealand yeah, or Australian and, sides anyway. And not only that, I mean, we we had a look at um, at some of the you know you can see two wins for the season, and so and you immediately think rubbish side. Yeah, but you actually look at their season; they've got five losing bonus points Indeed. for finishing within seven points of opposition teams. I mean, that's got to say that they've been thereabouts and against some good opposition. And the other point is that. Their local derbies are played against New Zealand teams, yeah, you know. So, so you can be a, a fair side and still be losing to the likes of the Crusaders and the Hurricanes fairly regularly. Well, and the Chiefs, though, they got pipped by the Chiefs twice already throughout the year. Yeah. And I, Sam, you've obviously followed the New Zealand conference in particular with a lot of interest being a Kiwi. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, just from a being over in Australia, the, the, the Pretty depressing from an Australian fan's perspective. It's it's getting ridiculous. The streak. I know that people are sick of banging on about it, but it's a very real thing, isn't it? That's the the yardstick, and they're not coming up to scratch. I, I talked to you afterwards, Christy, and you were so depressed you didn't even go out for a Saturday night beer, which is is very rare for you. You were a defeated man at Brookvale there. Wow, well, I might have cracked one open after the, <laughs> uh, uh, after writing my copy. But um, look, I think the, the twenty the opening twenty minutes was the most disappointing thing about that game. I know that people look back and they go, "Curtly Bill, he shouldn't have kicked. They should have known that it wasn't a penalty and and so forth." But you look at how they played that opening 20 minutes and there was a number of opportunities early on in the game where they were attacking the fringes. Israel Folau was superb in his comeback match and every time he took the ball, predominantly on the right side of the field, he was opening up space for those around him like Cam Clark who had a couple of good touches early on. But the, the, the handling through the middle, these short passes that were going on, they looked like they were trying to do a little bit too much as opposed to just banging up through the middle and then when the space is out wide, then going wide. But that, they really mucked it up in that first 20 minutes. I am going to be interested. You, you mentioned the streak, which now stands at, at 38. I know George Gregan hates me saying that, that number all the time because you know there is this theory that the more you talk about it, the more it reinforces the doubt in everyone's mind and there may be something in that but I'm interested to speak to Jeff Parling who will be joining us a little bit later uh, as a as a foreigner coming in and and seeing the Australian attitude to this streak um, you know we ask players constantly when we speak to them and coaches you know mm. it's up to 37 up to 38 you know wouldn't it be great if you were the ones who broke the drought and they say oh we don't we don't think about it. It's not it's not part of our psyche at all. But I wonder whether Jeff Parling, having come from outside in and, and having a slightly different perspective on all of this, might actually be able to give us some insight as to whether it is actually resonating uh, with Australian rugby. Yeah, that 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 is very true. I think the probably the one person we we had him about a month ago, Mick Byrne, was the one person that I've heard who hasn't said, "Oh, we can't talk about." You know the, the hoodoo. He, he came in and said we had to own it. Um, there's only one way to beat it, and that's to go out there and, and play well. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it is time to take that other tack, and, and and for teams to say, okay, we're going to embrace this challenge. We're going to be the ones talk openly about it and say, yeah, it's a it's a terrible streak. We're, we're going to talk about it, embrace it, and tackle it head on. I mean, the reality is it probably doesn't really matter once you get it out into the field. But you know, maybe that that subtle mental shift might actually yeah. improve things. They the, the opportunity to be the one. 
the, the team who, who breaks the hoodoo. The Waratahs did, though, look a little bit anxious early on, and it took them a while. And it, Clearly, Michael Hooper's try brought them right back into the match, but I felt like the intensity really just lifted in that last 15 minutes, mm. and it was only then where they where they kind of fully came alive and they didn't get across the line, but at least the phase play. We saw 19 phases. Where was the 19 phases in the first half? We didn't see that. We'd see three or four, four phases before you see that, that offload, that miracle offload that they always attempt. Uh, and it was a good return for Israel Folau coming back in after four weeks out uh, through injury. And, well, that, that included the bye week, of course. Uh, and is he in the news again uh, with a, a link, reportedly, to, uh, to Queensland, a, a move to Queensland? Um, you know, this is going to continue to happen, isn't it? When you've got a guy like Israel Folau, the, the face of the game, or one of the faces of the game, off contract at the end of the year, this won't be the last team that he's linked to, surely. Yeah, and it's a really tricky situation for Rugby Australia. Obviously, we know the well-documented uh, controversy, which is, is playing into all of this as well. So, you know, Rugby Australia, apparently talks have stalled there between Folau and, and Rugby Australia. And, you know, they for all the, I guess bad publicity that he's caused them they desperately need him to be at the World Cup next year don't they at the very least so uh, I think it would suit them pretty well to probably get a, a one year deal and, and then maybe let, let Izzy potentially go after that with Michael Hooper sort of taking over as the face of the the organisation but yeah where does he play his club football um, Cody Nass is you know Making making no uh, sorry not Codinessa his his managers clearly um, you know shopping him around a bit at the moment and and uh, Isaac Moses, yeah. Isaac Moses yeah. and 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 you know trying to trying to bump up that asking price. So here's a question for you. So yes, nobody would deny that he is a required player and required in a big way at the World Cup next mm. year. But as a fullback or or a winger, is he is he the most important player? Would would it you know would it be more dire for Australian rugby if particularly given the, the fly-half situation in Australian rugby right now, if we were talking about uh, Bernard Foley perhaps going, David Pocock perhaps leaving, uh, Michael Hooper perhaps leaving the game, or, or you know, a, a key front rower, Alan Alatoa or, or Scott Seo, for example. You know, yes, he's a superstar of the game, but does that automatically make him the most important player? Well, there's been, the a, bit of, there's been a bit of discussion about that. I oh, know that Groudo, Greg Groudon wrote... That very question, and, and well, about a month ago, and I think he he alluded to Are you guys suggesting that's not my idea, Christy. Well, could be, but uh, <laughs> look, Will Genny is someone I don't know if you may put in that list. Well, I should but, have, but but he would certainly be up there. I think if you look at if you think about it, Israel Folau has won three John Eels medals. Are they in a row? I forget, but certainly in the last four or five years, however long he's been in Australian rugby for six years, so. Based purely on that, you've got to think that he is certainly in your top three players. I think probably David Pocock, Will Genia. And if you look at the shortages of, of the 10 options, then Bernard Foley would have to be in that list purely for the fact that there's not another 10 in yeah. the country. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think the answer to the question is yes, he is, he is that important. I mean, shortlisted as World Player of the Year. A lot of people thought he should have got that 
um, award. Just yeah, phenomenal stats every single week, and yeah, the, the type of guy that can conjure something out of nothing. We saw that again for the the Waratahs. So yeah, for all the the headaches he's causing off the field, on the field he, he's absolutely 100% necessary if, if the Wallabies are going to give the World Cup a good crack, I think. Whether or not he can go to the Queensland Reds, I think surely it just comes down to if they can offload Quade Cooper because whilst you're paying Quade Cooper and Carmichael Hunt a lot of coin, mm. I'm not quite sure how you can find space for Israel Folau. From my understanding, the Tars themselves are, are wondering how they can squeeze him under the salary cap as it stands too. Mm. Yep. Mm. All right. So, yeah, somehow I suspect we might be talking more about Israel Folau and his ultimate destination over the next couple of months. But uh, for the moment, let's get to our first guest on the Fox Rugby podcast, Kane Douglas. You're listening to the Fox Rugby podcast. Hey rugby fans, I know you're probably thinking, who's this? Who's this voice? Uh, Look, it's Phil, uh, the producer of this podcast. Uh, A big sorry, the first four minutes of this interview or this chat with uh, Kane Douglas uh, randomly, inexplicably uh, didn't record. Um, We can blame the the button pushes in the control room for that. No idea what the issue was. Um, so unfortunately, we missed the greetings uh, with Kane Douglas. Uh, he was telling us in the bye last week that um, all the Queensland players were given GPS tracking devices to clock up some mileage uh, and hand back as homework. Uh, jokes were made further on in the podcast about that. And of course, um, we also missed the chat about him reaching the 100-game milestone this weekend. So sincere apologies for that, um, and we'll, we'll now transition into the rest of the chat that was picked up. Uh, once again, sorry for that. Uh, enjoy the rest of the show. People retire and whatever else. I, yeah, like even playing with Phil War and stuff when I first started. Seems like a, a lifetime ago, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome. It's that's what rugby's about, playing with different people, and um, yeah. You, you were saying earlier how you just you know you you just sort of went out every week and didn't think too much about it, and just having a good time at the start. What do you wish that you'd known then? Some of the lessons you've learned over the years. You wish you'd known then that you know now. Um, oh, I suppose I, I probably would have. Um, like I think yeah. You, you go out a fair bit, and and, and that's all good. I um, after games probably probably take like I probably should have recovered a bit more after a few of those earlier games, and, and and sort of stuck my head in the books a bit more. Like I um, in terms of like research for the next game, like I yeah, it's a, probably like that consistency. Like I've I feel like I've had good games and bad games, and um, yeah, I don't know. That's probably probably not too much. Um, like I, I suppose you look back at injuries and go, oh, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have got injured. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's sort of I've, I've probably got no no big regrets. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, I suppose I've answered your question or not. I don't no, know, no, but... no, no, it's good. It's good. Good. And Kane, um, obviously the Reds forward packs made great strides this season under under Brad Thorne. There's a real fascination with with Brad and um, you know all the legendary stories about him in the gym and whatnot. Um, 
you know, what have you enjoyed most about working with him? And have you got any good Brad Thorne stories for us? Um, oh, like he, he's, sometimes Brad comes across like he's um, like I know he's done everything, but he, he sometimes comes across like he, he's very confident and, and he's proud of all his achievements too. I suppose if you some people might take him the wrong way and and, and feel like he's skiding about what he's done, but he's like everyone listens to him. He's he has done everything. He's won every trophy. Um, I think we were, the other day we were talking about um, tattoos, and one of the boys said, "Oh, what would you do, Thorny? Like, would, did you ever think about getting one of your Premiership tattoos?" And he goes, "Oh, my body would be bloody, body would be full if I, if, I, if I got all my tattoos." But um, nice. yeah, no, he's he's awesome. He's awesome coach. He's um, just because he's he's only fresh out of the game. He's um, I suppose that that New Zealand sort of um, approach of um, just working on your skills over and over again, like we. I felt like we didn't do too much boring running in the pre-season. We, it was all games and it was all, um, like even, even when we do forward stuff, we'd go, we'd go from line outs to kickoff stuff and then he'd even do, he'd be in the middle of the field doing cross-field kicks to the props and second rowers trying to, like, yeah, practice high ball catching and, um, stuff that we, we normally didn't do or we, or you used to do when you were young in the past. Just, just skills, um, and he's yeah, as I said, you everyone stops and listens to him because he he has had a an awesome career and um and it, yeah, you, you sort of want to know from his experience, you want to learn and um yeah, so he, he's great to have around. Yeah, Kane with with uh, Scotty Higginbotham and, and James Slipper missing the the recent win over over the Lions. I suppose you were the the oldest in that forward pack. What's it like? kind of leading a really young group of players that have certainly making a really big impact um, throughout the first half of the season? Um, yeah, well, I suppose there's, uh, like, Isaac Rod has sort of become a bit of a leader in there too, and I, I've, I'm probably more of a an actions man than a words guy. I, um, uh, yeah, but it is, it's such a young group, like, across the whole team. But, yeah, the, the forward pack, would, um, yeah, just... Everyone's eager to learn, and um, it's 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 great to see them young guys coming through. Um, you know, Adam Corzix, your Liam Wrights, your Angus uh, Scott Youngs, um, and then oh, I suppose it was Georgie too. So he's pretty old, and he's a bit of a leader at the back. Um, this is true. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to see all those young guys coming through. There's a, there's a million of them. I, yeah, as I said before, I feel pretty old. <laughs> Now but, you're, um, Georgie makes you feel a bit better about yourself. And, and what about now? You know, you, you're winding down with the Reds and and uh, and heading to France. Of course, you spent time in Europe before. Um, what are you yeah. most looking forward to achieving over the next uh, couple of months? You know, do you do you still dream of a Wallaby jersey? Do you think that's realistic? Um, yeah, well, like I, I, um, I, I definitely love to. I, um, I probably haven't had a, a good chat with Tech this year, and um, but yeah, I suppose we'll we'll see we'll see where we're at come June when he when he picks teams for those June tests. But um, yeah, no, like I, I know I missed out missed out on on most of the games last year and stuff, but then I know I'm heading away, so he's probably looking for the future. But yeah, I'd, um, I still think I've got a lot to give, and um, I yeah. I'd, I'd love to, if it um, if it meant I had to stay back a little bit before I went to Bordeaux to play a few more tests, I'd, um, that would be okay with me. I'd um, 
I'd love to, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not up to me, and I'll just try and play my best for the Reds before before that happens. Before I go, Kane, that that knee injury that you suffered in the in the World Cup final, uh, it really like you missed the majority of the of the next year. Do you feel like you're now coming back to the heights of 2014, 2015, when you when you're fit and firing and and leading the Waratahs to a Super Rugby Premiership title? Yeah, well, like I, I probably don't think like that. I probably don't go. Oh, I'm feeling as good as I did then, or um, um, but I, like I, I feel good. I feel comfortable. Like I know you, don't, you sort of don't want to feel comfortable in your spot, but like I, um, like I feel like I'm I'm feeling good in games, and I'm, um, you know, I'm like I'm having more and more and more and more involvements each week, and um, yeah, like I, I feel good, which which I I did back back then, so. I suppose that's the only correlation I um, I can sort of get from that. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm having fun and um, getting some game time, which is good. And, and Brad's sort of shown his faith in me, which has been great. Cool. Well, uh, we'll let you head off to your defence meeting shortly, mate. But um, off yeah. to Japan, Japan uh, tomorrow, I believe. Uh, the Sunwolves—they're clearly struggling, but they're, they're the sort of team that's probably going to beat someone this season, aren't they? Like, how do you? How do you ward off that complacency this week? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, they, they've been, they've looked good, and especially they've looked good at home. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think we can't take them lightly. Um, we've got to go over there, and everyone's got to be up for the game. And um, we're only there for a short trip, so it's not like we're we're over there having too much fun. It's a it's a go over there to get the hopefully get the job done and. Um, there for for a reason, but um, yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, they've been great. They've they they just don't give up. Um, they've got some yeah some some great players in their team. Um, and yeah, like you you can't take anyone lightly these days. Like you or or um, or you end up on the wrong side of the scoreline. So um, yeah, we're, we're prepping well. I think we've got a, a couple of sessions over there before we play as well. So. Um, hopefully we're we're good to go come Saturday lunchtime in Japan. Sam, you've just come back from Japan yourself, and you were over there with Andrew Swain, Fox Rugby commentator, and you were telling a couple of stories that he struggled getting into some of the bars over in Japan. How's Kane going to go getting through the doors in Japan? Yeah, mate, you. I hate to say it, you're going to struggle. Be be very careful that you don't uh, suffer a concussion in the lead up to get to the game on a, a doorway or, or a shower or something. I hope. Uh, I hope Brad's got something organised for the bigger blokes because it is it is pretty cramped over there. Perfect. Hopefully the beds are long enough. <laughs> I've got I've got pictures of the, all the second rowers and, and back rowers wearing their headgear around <laughs> Tokyo just in case. <laughs> hey, um, Kane, we might might leave it there, mate. Um, go well in Japan. Go well for the rest of the Super Rugby season, uh, and uh, who knows? Maybe we might see you in in goal at some stage throughout the rest of the year. And with you and your young family, when you head off to France, enjoy it. It'll be a, a great time in your life. Well done, mate. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Cheers Kane. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, good to catch up with Kane Douglas. And Christy, I know that you've been a big rap on his year, 2018. I think you alluded to in in your question there that you probably think it's as good, or getting towards it anyway, as as he was in 2014. Yeah, what I've really been impressed with is his line speed and defence. And uh, he's certainly setting the tone. And I think he's he's right back to where he was in 2014-15. You talk to guys like Steve Hoyles, um, who played alongside him that year, and he says that 
Douglas was very much the bloke that defensively set the standards. And I think coming into a series against Ireland, this is a series Australian rugby needs to win. They, they lost against England in 2016. They had a hiccup against Scotland last year. They need to start the year off really strongly. And if, and if you're thinking about a guy that you know is not going to miss a tackle a bloke that's going to put someone like a Devon Toner on his back, then it's Kane Douglas. Um, we, we saw Scott Fardy didn't play last year, and he was looked over, and he's now in the contention to become European Player of the Year. Kane Douglas, they're, they're obviously different players, but they're guys that have got a lot of experience, and for blokes like Isaac Rodder, uh, the Lucan Tuis, even Adam Coleman's, those guys that haven't had a whole heap of super rugby or international experience, Playing alongside someone like a Kane Douglas, I think, would be uh, very helpful. I agree with uh, with a lot of what you've said, but I also think with uh, the 2019 Rugby World Cup on the horizon and Michael Checker, of course he wants to win the series against Ireland. Mm. Of course he wants to win back at like this year in the Rugby Championship, but he also has in mind what his best team is going to look like at the World Cup and um, Kane Douglas uh, won't be a part of that. So um, I think he's probably going to... To move ahead and, and move forward. Oh, there's all. Well, I know we only talk about either oh, 15 or 16, 18 tests, or however many it is before the next year's World Cup. But the reality is this team needs to start winning in here and now. And I think you can probably start to look, maybe come the Rugby Championship in the in the European Tour after that, as to this is what the side's going to shape up to be. But these Super Rugby sides, they're not winning nearly enough, and. I think three three test matches, you look at the guys that he's likely to compete against, Adam Coleman, Isaac Rodder, Rory Arnold, those three you'd probably suggest would be locks and long-term locks as well. But uh, Luke Antui has missed the majority of the season because of suspension and injury. He's only going to be back by June. And on top of that, Rob Simmons, is he going to get to the Rugby World Cup? I don't know. So if you're going to take four locks, I would have Kane Douglas in there. All right, so speaking locks... Another one about to join us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Jeff Parling, welcome to you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Um, how are you enjoying your, your time down under, mate? Um, I'm enjoying the, enjoying the country, enjoying the place, and enjoying the club. Um, being, you know, we start the season well, and it's a lot easier to enjoy when, you, when you're winning. It's been a bit frustrating in the last few games. Um, can't hide that, but, but it's been a, a good change, good change for my family as well, uh, nice and settled at the moment so so far it's been a, a positive move Jeff talk me through your decision to join Melbourne because I would have thought coming from England the south of England where it can be cold at times and a lot of rain throughout England that you would probably join a Sydney club or a Brisbane club like the Reds or the Tars um, but no you like the cold and we know that Melbourne can be cold at times do you know, when I joined, loads of people said to me, oh, Melbourne weather, it's just like the UK. And they were absolutely lying, because it is nothing like the UK. It has been beautiful, I reckon. So I appreciate it's not as uh, hot as, as Sydney and Brisbane, but compared to the UK, it's um, it's very, very different. Mate, when, you get, when you get two weeks of that sleety, scuddy rain in the middle of June. You come back and speak to us. <laughs> yeah, but when, you, when, you, when you're used to two months of it, you know, it's, it's the two weeks will be nothing. Happy days. And I, I guess the question you'll be getting asked a lot um, from your mates and, and, you know, teammates back home is just the, the differences between the, the Premiership and, 
and Super Rugby. Um, I saw your interview before the start of the season, and uh, you know you thought that the gap had probably been narrowed in terms of the speed and, and intensity of the the two comps. So now that you've you're living and breathing it, what are the major differences, mate? I'd say this um, Super Rugby is probably a little bit looser yep. in, in general, so um, you probably see more guys trying to throw that 50-50 pass uh, you know out wide and trying to com- convert a sort of an opportunity straight away whereas I reckon in Europe you probably you'd recycle and probably more likely to, to go through some phases there's I'd say a little bit less emphasis on, on set piece here as there is in Europe you've got to appreciate like I said you know, if you're playing two three months of horrendous weather where sometimes it's almost better to not have the ball and it's just about having a strong set piece in defense the game's going to be a little bit different but certainly i just think those two areas are probably a little bit looser here set piece not as much emphasis on it um i don't necessarily think it's a it's a lot quicker um and i, I probably could say it's probably a little bit less physical because of those set piece confrontations but you know Overall, there's some big similarities, but there's just those few subtle differences. Now, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this question, and in no way am I attempting to end your career, uh, because I know you've got a, a long way, a long, long well, time, long, yeah, years long, and years, long time to go. But, but I did hear on the grapevine that uh, you might like to head down the coaching path at some stage. Is that right? And and does the Rebels fit into some sort of long-term plan? Uh, that's right. I, I, I do want to coach. And one of the reasons about me coming to Super Rugby was I thought it'd be a good idea to try and experience a, a, a different comp to what I was used to and get some experiences there. Um, long term, I've got no idea. We'll have to see. We'll have to see when I when I finish playing. But I do definitely want to um, coach and, and especially the, the you know the forwards things there. Yes. Um, just just uh, going back to your time in the UK, you finished up with Exeter. Last or well, last year, and uh, marvelous achievement, winning the competition. And you were playing alongside a, a bloke that used to be a regular on the Fox Rugby podcast, Dave Dennis. How's uh, Dave settled into Exeter, and, and can you talk about him at all a little bit? And any any kind mate, of stories? Chris, Christy misses Dave. Is the, the point of the yeah, mate? What 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 a, what a bloke. Um, <laughs> Got on, got on real, real well with Dan. I thought he was a great guy. Got on well, I'd say, because we both had the same love for real sort of unfunny, awkward dad jokes, <laughs> um, which, which like the rest of the squad wouldn't really get. Whereas we would sort of, you know, fire them back at each other, and we, we'd really enjoy them, really enjoy them. But um, yeah, I found the Aussies there. There's a lot of Aussies at Exeter, and they were, you know, good fellas. Yeah, Greg Holmes doesn't say much, but, but great boy. Um, got on well with Ollie Atkins, who's at the Tars for a bit as well. So, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some good Aussies there, to be fair. So they, and they were the ones I was asking about Oz, and they were saying, look, go and experience it. You'll you love it out there. And, Jeff, um, clearly that Crusaders game got away in you guys, and, you, and I saw an interview from you afterwards. You were clearly quite gutted. A, pr- a pretty honest debrief, I imagine, mate, and, and, and what has the team taken away from, from that game? Yeah, we just we at half time we were in it. I thought that probably the half time score probably didn't fully reflect the first half. They had, they had more possession, and maybe we were good for that. That the score that they dropped over the line. But you know, if we started with the detail and, and, and good intensity in our second half, we, we you know we we had an opportunity in, in that game. I just thought we talked about it afterwards. We we lacked some of the detail. Guys for getting roles. Um, in the, even in that first half, when you're defending because they've got so much possession, 
even if you're doing well then it's probably going to wear wear away at you for the tail end of the game and that's probably what happened as well um the one thing i think and when he's asking me those questions at the end of the game is you, you're playing the crusaders you it's, it's a chance to go and get a shot on them and i i think maybe because there's been a lot of games where aussie rugby the the, the teams have lost to to Kiwis, maybe that that plays in the back of guys' heads, but but it shouldn't because look, they're a very very good team, but it's just a set of blokes at the end of the day. A very good set of blokes, mind that, but just but just a set of blokes. So um, I think the guys have probably got to back themselves more against those teams. Jeff, when we're when we're at a game and and we're talking about the game or commentating the game, I guess it's it's our job to sort of assess what's happening in the game and, and often, you know, I'll accept as much as the next person that what's happening in the game can be vastly different to what we think is happening in a game. Um, but it did seem from the sidelines in the second half on, on Friday night that um, when Will Genia went off, there was a certain lack of leadership, a, a certain lack of um, uh, direction. Is that a fair criticism because I know you know you you were in the game um so so I guess that could be a criticism of you as well but but is that a fair criticism I think it's fair to say that when you lose a guy with how, how, how many caps has he got probably close to 100 caps or something um, yeah, yeah more when than you lose, when you when you when you lose a, a guy at nine it, it's you're probably going to miss that person aren't you he's going to give you direction purely through his experience especially in that position look Rue comes on and, and does, does a great job for us as well um but you, you probably can't hide behind that. When you lose a guy like that, you're going to lose that little bit of direction. So that's something we need to to make sure that we're, we're, we're better at um, because look, we're going to miss him what, for, for a few weeks now. So um, we, we need to be, need to be better there. Yeah, and interesting points that you made on, on you know, maybe it being a, a mental block against the, the Kiwi teams. I also um, saw Dave Vessels' comments afterwards saying, look, realistically, we're probably not at the at the level we need to be to beat the Crusaders at the moment. That was, you know, pretty brutal assessment. But do you agree with that um, from, from Dave? It, was, it did, did raise a few eyebrows. Um, I'd agree that, look, when you've got two teams that come together at the start of the year into a club that won one game last year, it was, you know, it's going to take a bit of time to get things going. I actually thought at the start of the year, obviously we did very well. But we were probably not quite as good as we thought we were at the start of the year. And then this one, when we've lost a few games, we're probably not quite as bad as people think we are. You know, it's always somewhere more, more in the middle. Um, it's probably a fair assessment in that for us to win at the weekend. We were going to have to play our best game. Hmm. And, and and hope that made, they made a few mistakes. We didn't play our best game, so it, it wasn't going to happen. So I thought, it was, yeah, it was pretty fair by Dave. This weekend, you, you you play the Brumbies. How do you get back on the horse and turn your season around? Well, we're, we're, there's no other choice, is it? It's a, it's a huge game in the conference. Um, you could say it's like a 10-point a, a game. Um, played them at the, the start of the year and things are our way, and they'll, they'll be looking to... You know, they're at home. They'll be looking to get get back stuck into us. You know, you know when things go well for the Bumbies, then things go very well for them. And uh, you know, I guess one of the most experienced um, Aussie franchises in terms of how they play and, and their system. So we've just got to back ourselves and and, and, and fire into them and, and hopefully come away with that win. And the saving grace is, and and you know, it's it's something that uh, I guess is good for you guys, but also good for the Brumbies is that. You know, it's not like the Waratahs have been stringing wins together and, and cleared out on top of the Australian Conference. You're still, even though it's been a difficult, you know, month or so, 
you're still well and truly in the hunt. If you can turn things around now, um, that top spot in the Australian Conference in a home semi is uh, is well and truly realistic. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like I said, look, when, when things are going really well, then we're um, probably not as good as you think. And at the moment, when things aren't going too well, it's not as bad as you think. And, and that proves it. You know, we're in second place in the conference and sitting with the shot of, 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 of topping it. So, ex- exactly. Um, there's a lot of teams in that conference fighting to, to, to get out of there. Hey, Jeff, uh, we'll leave it there. Terrific to have you down under and, and part of uh, Australian rugby, part of Super Rugby. We've enjoyed watching you play so far and will do for the rest of this year. And thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to catch up with Jeff Parling from the Melbourne Rebels. And by all reports, he has been absolutely amazing for that young side. And technically around the line-out, he is a, he's a genuine master at the line-out. They've loved having him involved in that. Now, you know what it's time for? You know what it's time for? It's time for Christie's Crisis of the Week. Wow. See, this is... Uh, every every week, there's just this little... Brilliant. There's something that improves and, and takes it to the next level, this podcast, and... I don't know whether this is it, but let's have a crack. Christie's crisis. Well, it has to be the Waratahs, doesn't it? Not being able to get the points over the Blues' 38 consecutive defeats. Now, when's it going to end? That was the question that a lot of people were posing uh, shortly after that match. And you've got to think about the composure of of the Waratahs and and how they let slip that opportunity. Kirtley Beal kicking it to Israel Folau. Kicking hope, uh, I think it was, really. Um, yeah, Gibson said afterwards that it was a lack of composure and that they thought that they were playing under a penalty advantage. As it turned out, 19 phases went to waste and then shortly after, Paddy Ryan not being able to, to hold on to the ball. When's it going to end? They're playing the, the Crusaders this week. It's going to be a, a bloody big challenge. I can't see them getting the points over the Crusaders, so... Could be you, on 39. you love a, a crisis, mate. I, I'm a glass half full man. Wasn't it great to actually see rugby at Brookvale Oval? You were there, Christy, and um, more of it, please. It uh, generated a really good atmosphere, didn't it? And, and, yep. and yeah, just, just so much better than a half full stadium to the, look at on TV. The amount of fans I've come, come across who are, who are there and who are part of it, they absolutely loved it. And no one can remember the last time they'd heard the chart of New South Wales, New mm. South Wales, mm. uh, before Saturday night. They, they, you know, you rack your brains yeah. and, you know, you, you're battling to get a golf clap at, uh, at Allianz Stadium. And the other night, the place was alive at Brookvale. So, yeah, more of it. All right, let's rip through the games to come this weekend. And we start uh, the 5.30 game, uh, the Blues back home at Eden Park on Friday evening, the Blues and the Hurricanes. And can the Blues make it? Two in a row. It's hard to see it happening against the Canes. They're on fire at the moment. Yeah, I think the Canes will get the chocolates, but that, that win will be huge for the Blues. They had some key guys coming back, and, and Augustine Pulu, who sort of drives a lot of their, um, I guess, energy and, and, and toughness in that team. And yeah, I think they'll actually really grow from that win a lot, and they'll, they'll push the Hurricanes. I think Sonny Bill's coming back this yeah. week as well. Uh, Stephen Perifetta is, is growing in confidence, and he's you know got some dangerous feet as we as we saw. So, yeah, I think that'll be a, a good spectacle. Hopefully the Auckland weather's okay and we can see some good running rugby. There's some electrifying backs running around in that game too. You've got Ben Lamb, who's got a hat-trick last weekend. And Not going to make the All Blacks, apparently. No. Yeah. 
Uh, so, look, Rico Ioani, Nihil Milner-Scutter, Vince Arso, there's so, there's so much to look forward to about that game. Mm. Now, on Saturday, uh, Super Saturday on Fox Sports, four games back-to-back, beginning with... You're going to be all right? Big, big well, Super Saturday. It's, it's, a, it's a big day. I've started hydrating already, yeah. um, and I think, I think I'll be okay. I'll, uh, I'll be giving my taper tonight. Gives me a couple of days. GPS on the kids. Yep, put the GPS <laughs> on the kids. Um, the Sunwolves and, and the Reds, uh, we spoke briefly to Kane Douglas about that. But, uh, yeah, there's a few sides gone up there and maybe haven't quite started uh, yeah. on fire and they've found themselves after the first half being a bit of trouble. So the Reds will be keen to, to start well against the Sunwolves. Yeah, you're right. The Sunwolves have been in pretty much every match at halftime, even against the Crusaders and the Hurricanes on their New Zealand tour before being blown off the park, mind you, in the last 20. Um, I think you'll probably find that the Reds, uh, John Lance expected back and, and James Slipper. So big inclusions and uh, I, th- I think with Lance returning, they should win. Crusaders, Waratahs. Yeah, look, without wanting to be negative, this this could get ugly, couldn't it? Um, they should have won that game against the Blues. They didn't. It's going to be hard to, to pick them up after that. Um, if Yeah, the, we saw what the Crusaders did to the Rebels, um, made mincemeat of them. So, yeah, look, it's uh, potential alarm bells if, the, if they don't get their heads right this week, to be look, honest. Look, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, though, is that Australian sides have been in right in the contest after the first half. It's about being able to play 80 minutes is always a cliche, but I, can't, I don't think you can write off off the Tars com- completely. 14 years uh, since the Tars have won in Christchurch. Uh, the Highlanders and the Lions. Well, the Highlanders disappointing last weekend against the Sharks. You kind of felt that they were going to stumble back at some stage, and, and they did. They got hammered over there, and, and they returned back, and they're doing all the travel, and ironically, mm. the Lions only have to go south from, from Wellington. So big opportunity for the Lions. I think the, hurricane, uh, the Highlanders... It could be an interesting first 20 minutes if they don't start quickly. That the, the Lions and they, they could win that one. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're a chance. It's one of those home games only, and you know, and in, in theory, it's not really a home game given that the Lions have, have been there all week and, and the Highlanders have to do the travel. So yeah, big opportunity for the Lions who desperately need a win. Good local derby on Saturday night uh, in Canberra. The Brumbies and the Rebels and two sides. Desperate for a win, and because no one's cleared out on top of the Australian Conference, remarkably, mm. the Brumbies are still in the hunt. Yeah, I've got no idea who to pick for this game at this stage. I'll have to wait for the, the teams to come out and, and think about it a bit more, because, I mean, how can you... The Rebels have fallen right off the pace. Mm. The, the Brumbies, you know, pretty underwhelming as well, so I've got no idea who's going to win at this stage. So that game's going to finish about 10 o'clock. Or did you have something to say on that game, Christy? Well, Sorry. I think Rob Valentini's expected to be back. David Pocock, there's some Christian Lelefano, some big occlusions for the Brumbies. So there's a lot to be excited about if you're an ACT fan. So that'll, yeah, that'll finish about uh, 10 and uh, about an hour later. Uh, the Storm is hosting the Chiefs in, uh, in Cape Town. You're going to stick around for five games on Saturday? No, I think we might, I think we might bail out after the Brumbies okay. and the Rebels as much as I'd love to... Recap the day for an hour from 10 to 11. Well, unfortunately not. A couple of wins for the Stormers there. It's slowly, like, if you look at that South African conference at the moment, yeah. and there is nothing between it. So it's a massive game, this one. Um, the Stormers, two, two on the trot against the Rebels, and last week against the Bulls. 
they're, they're playing well across the board and, and uh, a couple of good halves there as well. And Damien Delalande playing really well at inside centre too. I'm picking the Stormers to beat the Chiefs. And, uh, of course, you talk about the South African Conference. You've got the Haguaras who are <laughs> really shaking things up at the moment and they have the bye this weekend. So the last game of, uh, of this round, the Bulls and the Sharks. Yeah, another really good South African derby. And yeah, just to follow up on Chrissy's point, I've enjoyed watching the, the South African teams a lot more this season. They're playing some good football and there's some good signs for the Springboks with Rassi Erasmus coming in. He's got some real good young talent to mm. to work with, the likes of Kerwin Bosch um, on, on fire for the Sharks. Uh, there's plenty of options at number 10 as well. So, um, Isn't it amazing the contrast? between the, the tens at the moment of, of the two countries, Australia and South Africa. Yeah. Every single one of those tens playing in South Africa at the moment, you could you could see playing Test Match Rugby this year. Exciting young talent, yeah. You so could maybe get them a visa or, or something? <laughs> yeah. You've got the Smith brothers up in the, the Reds. I think they might be in the in the Wallabies pipeline down the, down the line. 2020 is when I believe they become eligible. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, you have to be playing for three years straight mm. if you're not born in Australia. And they went to Japan. And they went to Japan, so therefore it started again. But mm. cumulatively, they're going to bring up 10 years of living in Australia come 2020. You've done your homework, Christy. Wow. Impressive. Thank you very much. Slow day. Hey? <laughs> hey? Am, I, am I eligible to play for the Wallabies yet? How am I tracking? Uh, you, you would be, I think. Mm. Okay. Uh, no, no, you wouldn't. You haven't played professional rugby. For two years. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, we should wrap up uh, another edition of the Fox Rugby Podcast. The, the big thing I've learned today is that you cannot strap GPS to a dog and have the figures believed. That is, that's the big thing for me today. We'll see you next week on the Fox Rugby Podcast.